Hello everyone. Seeing as we're all stuck in isolation at the moment, we're trying this new end of the week roundup series called Guido Talks. See what we did there? Um, so we're the team behind Guido and we're going to chat through some of our favourite stories this week. Uh, I'm Tom Harwood. I'm a senior reporter at Guido and I'm joined by reporter Christian Calgi, give everyone a wave, and editor Paul Staines. So we're going to be diving in straight to one of the one of our sort of big series that we've been running over the last few weeks, which we call expert activists. Um, these are the experts who pop up in the media who turn out to be rather more partisan than they present themselves as. So last Friday, we had a doctor, Dr. Paul Williams, who appeared on the BBC as a doctor. What the BBC didn't tell audiences, though, is that he's an active Labour candidate, currently standing to be a police and crime commissioner. No mention of that at all. Extraordinary. Um, so who have we seen this week, Christian? Well, uh, this week uh, we have seen Kate Sheehan, uh, who is a local Labour Party vice chair in Essex, who uh, was picked up by Sky, The Mirror, uh, and I think the Mail Online for uh, attacking Matt Hancock over PPE provision. Um, a quick uh, search found out she was a uh, Corbynista fangirl and obviously involved in Labour on a, on a professional level. Uh, but she'd also, rather interestingly, given away quite a lot of PPE to other local activists uh, whilst complaining the NHS didn't have enough. And again, we saw a Labour activist who um, was joking about Boris's admission to ICU with a party emoji and, you know, just... Doesn't she deny that... Doesn't she deny that that's genuine? She says it's faked. Yet we've got two sources that came in to us and said they screenshot it. It's a pretty, pretty weak excuse. And we compiled all the evidence, but it seems like uh, Labour are not uh, going to do anything about this. They have uh, said her conduct doesn't break any party rules and they just sent her uh, a message saying try and be nicer on social media. That's right. I didn't get anything back from the Labour Party when I went after them quite a few times asking um, what are they going to do about this local vice chair who seems to have um, basically admitted to lying as well. She's, there was a, a piece in local media down in Essex where she uh, uh, is this vice chair for a, for a CLP um, where she basically said, yeah, no, my tweet did complain about PPE, but I haven't had any shortages of PPE. It was just representative of other in the air, other places in the country that have had shortages. And, and, and the media was running it as if she was sort of um, giving a first-hand experience when really she was saying stuff that she'd seen on Twitter, probably. Um, it's extraordinary the, the lack of sort of uh, due diligence that's done for these people to just appear in the media. We also... In Chingford, the candidate against Ian Duncan Smith was one Faiza Shaheen. Now, she's a regular on all the news shows. Uh, she is always captioned as a doctor. She is a doctor. She's got a doctorate in uh, geography, I think it is, in uh, social poverty or something like that. It, so it's she's the not geography a of doctor. social policy. 
that's it something along those lines but whatever it is it's not medicine and you wouldn't realize that sometimes and the reason i bring that up is she was all over her local papers claiming that whips cross hospital was suffering ppe shortages completely untrue it was it was so bad that the hospital had to put out a statement decrying that it was the case and they pointed out that the uh, new nightingale hospital was in their catchment area and if they did have any problems that's where people would go a purpose-built coronavirus treatment hospital right i think i think pfizer was putting out was putting out on her social media that ambulances were being diverted away from this hospital near chingford but, but yes, of course, that's the design of, that's why the Nightingale Hospital exists, so it can take those coronavirus patients. It seems um, that she ha- doesn't really have that much understanding of what's going on within the NHS right now. I'm also suspicious about the number of political activists who are presenting as uh, medics and they are taking advantage of the public's uh, love of the NHS and appreciation of what NHS um, nurses and doctors are doing for political purposes and it's i would bet any money that it's being organized by someone like unite oh yeah definitely it's so easy if you're a producer for a tv show to just ring up a union who then put forward a political representative who happens to be working there it's much harder to sort of find a, a normal ordinary doctor or nurse most most of whom who aren't rad- rad- rapidly political most people who work within the nhs want to go on and you know help save lives rather than master their face across the media most you know real doctors and nurses are pretty busy at the moment and don't have time <laughs> uh, to spend touring the tv studios um but obviously uh, uh pfizer also managed to spark a hell of a debate earlier in the week when uh, cchq themselves finally had enough and complained to Sky oh, yeah. not uh introducing guests properly and then there was an almighty row between cchq and adam bolton Uh, And then between Pfizer and was it Ian Dale, who she was uh, up against, who obviously had also been a party activist for the Tories 10 years ago, but subsequently, you you know, you wouldn't really describe as an overt conservative activist. No, he's happy to criticise the government and he's voted, he said he's voted for, I think, four different parties. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas, whereas Pfizer Shaheen was literally a candidate um, actually, I think her candidate page is still up and running. She's still campaigning for that seat that she lost oh, about yeah, five months ago. She's definitely still campaigning. And yeah. She yeah, she's 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 she she's intends to run against IDS again. Yeah, she right. And, and you... I mean, she was one of the poster girls for the Corbyn movement. She was one of the front runners. You know, Chingford and Woodford Green was, you know, I can't remember specifically, but certainly top ten for Labour to take. Uh, in 2019 and she yeah uh, she lost by 1300 votes which is about as many activists as they had every weekend i think <laughs> in the constituency <laughs> i think i think if, i think the the good voters of chingford were probably pissed off with seeing owen jones on their doorstep every weekend and that's despite all these different parties standing down i think they had a pact with the greens and some other um various things really throwing the kitchen sink at this uh seat that they simply didn't win but yeah she comes on when you book Pfizer shaheen you expect to get the labor party line whereas when you book someone like ian dale you get a more nuanced often very critical view of what the government's doing um it's a completely different kettle of fish Talking to another doctor, well, PhD uh, uh, candidate, 
What about that Dr. Emily Cousins, the Oxford lecturer, who yes. would rather that we didn't get a vaccine so she doesn't have the shame of Oxford University's white patriarchy academics once again triumphing over, I don't even understand it, is it uh, enforcing colonial farmer or something? Uh, does anyone understand exactly what her complaint was? I, it's extraordinary that this was decided to be right. I don't know if you saw the ratio on the tweets where it was about sort of four likes and hundreds and hundreds of comments, as is usual with these absolute disasters. Um, but it, it, it's this sort of idea that um, anything that is done in this country or that's been done by uh, prestigious institutions is bad. And I think there was a line in this piece that really let the cat out of the bag and uh, and it's the, this is the Huffington um, Post piece this is the Huffington Post piece where where she said something along the lines of um I don't want a narrative to be reinforced that China has unleashed something bad on the world and the West has had to save it and it's like well that's that's sort of what's happened um, <laughs> There's there's a communist party in charge of China that has uh, pursued a massive cover-up that has meant this global pandemic is a lot worse than it could have been if there was a liberal democracy operating in that uh, country and they didn't lock up journalists and silence doctors. Um, and and now we're supposed to complain about the institutions in this country that are trying to turn the situation around and rectify it. Um, it's interesting, though, that she she's sort of one of these classic people, I think, teaches gender um something like that at, at oxford um obviously well, be careful here because a lot of our readers who i suspect went to oxford university were all pointing out she's doing a phd at oxford brooks the old poly and didn't want but the fact is she was a teacher and she teaches gender issues at oxford university the real yeah, one yeah and she did and her undergrad there that's your undergrad. Yeah, yeah yeah the so lefty college it's on you oxford it's on you <laughs> Not a surprise, is it? No bitterness at all from this chat, obviously. Um. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Russell Brick, uh, Red Brick University is all of you, Russell Brick. Um, a bugbear of mine is uh, Piers Morgan, Peston, all those media talking heads. I say that as now we are three talking heads um, <laughs> <laughs> who have been really i think moving from uh, uh questioning and uh interrogating to trying to get these gotcha moments which uh the, the public has got fed up with and i mean yeah. i said it a couple of weeks ago i said this will backfire when alec thompson from channel 4 news asked that really atrocious question to matt hancock who managed to keep his cool when he's basically said to Matt Hancock, you're just letting old people die to protect the young, aren't you? And, uh, you know, and Andrew Neil on Twitter jumped in and said, it was a rubbish question. If Andrew Neil, who knows a thing or two about asking politicians questions, said, well, what's he going to say? Yeah, that's true. We're just killing granny. So, yeah, it was a rubbish question. It was uh, uh, just another one of these gotchas. I mean, you've got Robert Pester, who takes two minutes to ask a question. I've taken timing them now, um, and then gets his follow-up. Uh, you've got Piers Morgan. I've my hands for one Robert Peston question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you did a probably good hand wash there. Piers Morgan every morning just berating any minister that dares go on. I understand this is, this is now exactly a few of ministers is, who want to go on. 
<laughs> Sorry? This is, this is exactly what it is, though. Everyone in the media has been very happy to criticise uh, politicians in the House of Commons in PMQs that do their sort of one-minute Facebook video uh, speech that's not about the debate at hand. It's for that viral social media clip. The journalists are doing it now, too. The only reason Tom, is let me get this straight. Down You're criticising people for doing viral social media clips. Oh, I know more about it than most. Um, but <laughs> it's, um, it's very clear that Peston asks these questions because he wants like a nice clip for his show. Similarly, Piers Morgan wants all those retweets, both angry and congratulatory. Um, it's, anyway, it's exactly it has... the same mindset as politicians. Isn't working, it has backfired. I mean, poll after poll. I mean, this morning, Sky and YouGov had a poll out saying that I think it was negative 44% for TV journalists or press journalists, coming which way around. It was mm. massive. It was, it was as bad as Corbyn at his lowest point. And even politicians now rate higher than journalists, which has not always been the case. And Keir Starmer? Is, uh, uh, is uh, in positive territory, is very new. And of course, the politician who rates the most and has the majority of the public behind him with 51% was Boris. Exactly the person they're always trying to knife the hardest because they hate him because he's one of them. This is the this is the hilarious thing. It was I think it was last week there was this um, international poll that looked at all of the different institutions and how they fared in public opinion over the course of this crisis, and everything from um, politicians to financial services. You know the traditional sort of uh, whack them. You know all oh, these awful bankers, these awful politicians. They're all in positive territory in this country now, and the only one sector that was uh, polled to be in negative territory is the media. And yet there doesn't seem too much to, to be done to sort of wake up to this fact of this massive crisis in confidence of the institutions that should be informing the public. And as a result, of course, they've now lost their follow up questions at the day briefings because they just. Oh, yeah. It was just what. I mean, I it, was it yesterday? Well, they that didn't was, have any follow-up uh, questions at all. That was yesterday. We haven't seen the one today yet, so we're not sure. We're we'll recording to, this before it's taken we'll place. See, but, you know, to be honest, I thought Hancock was being very generous over the last, whatever it had been, week or two weeks, giving them these extra opportunities. And they just um, hadn't, hadn't risen to it. And, you know, there were senior journalists who you would think would, would ask better questions uh, who were asking things the public either don't care about or we already know the answers to and they just keep hammering the same point home yeah it's funny of course you know you know more than most about what it's like to be in a, a room full of lobby hacks asking questions and what we've discovered new for a long time they're actually not that good at it and now they're on telly and having to perform they're being found out not like yeah, us I was, I was thinking about this earlier when the usual few drips and drabs of tweets came out to today's lobby meeting and I, I, once again i just thought you know if we sustained television uh, televising these q a sessions for long enough they would have to buck up their ideas because some of the long questioning sessions i have to deal with uh, sitting through on the daily lobby briefings are so pointless and useless and you know waste of time gotcha questions that i think or speeches or just speech. you know john snow was famous for giving speeches isn't he yes. they go in with a stupid question that they know they'll get a yes or no answer to and then they jokingly tweet about it later on 
Uh, and I think that if the media want to sort this out, they need to start subjecting themselves to some more scrutiny as we expect politicians to improve with more accountability and scrutiny. It's funny listening to these questions, particularly by broadcast journalists uh, in the press conferences, where one by one they'll basically ask exactly the same question and expect some kind of different answer. And then I've seen some people criticising, I think earlier this week, um, the Sun's Dan Wooten went on and asked a different question about uh, misinformation being spread by actors like China. And suddenly you get this barrage on Twitter of how dare you not ask about PPE as if asking as if every single journalist should go on and ask exactly the same question and expect some kind of different response. It's a peculiar way to be handling these. But I think something that's been broadly missed by a lot of people, actually it was picked up by Ian Dale this week, is that Nicola Sturgeon in her press conferences has never allowed follow-ups. They're very stage-managed. Nicola Sturgeon's cronies hold the microphones. Journalists aren't even allowed to hold their own microphones. They're whisked away as soon as the first question is spoken. And yet, is there much scrutiny of Nicola Sturgeon? Is there much mainstream press sort of saying, hang on, if Forrest was doing this, it would be all over the place? I have noticed one thing that Nicola Sturgeon's uh, putting out. She's now talking about the lockdown wind down that she plans to do in Scotland, which I think the public is moving to ask, okay, we're in this for another three weeks. Where are we going? How are we going to get there? What do we need to do? You know, I think, I think the, we need a bit more light as well as pats on the back and clapping for the NHS. Yeah. I think Keir Starmer was actually quite prescient in asking the government for this for this plan like it's what a lot of people are talking about it's what a lot of think tanks have been proposing ideas for um, and yet the government uh, perhaps they're working on it perhaps they're not but they're not saying anything about it and that just breeds a sense of distrust well I mean, it also doesn't help that i think we've got a pretty clear picture of what the strategy is for taking us out of this lockdown the only problem is that it's just being privately briefed to different media outlets uh in uh in different sectors and we're getting a vague picture but it's all more confusing than if the government just came out and told the public and i also think it will help enforce the lockdown as it continues and as it inevitably gets more difficult for people if they know that there is an end goal and they can see the light at the end of the tunnel Mm. rather than just thinking this is going to carry on indefinitely until one day the government wave a magic wand and we can all go back to normal because otherwise they'll take it upon themselves to start judging whether it's safe to go back to normal life or not. Yeah, we ran this um, Ipsos Mori polling, I think it was earlier this week, that showed exactly that, that people are more likely to follow a lockdown if they know that there is an end point, if they can see how this is going to end. And actually, the, the, the government coming out and saying, yes, this is how we're going to wind this down and start lifting the lid, I think was the phrase uh, Jenny Harris used a few weeks ago. Um, if there is that, that um, by, by saying that there will be that sort of lifting of the lid and this is how it's going to be done, it allows people to follow the guidelines more assiduously while they're in place. I think that's probably a good moment for us to wind down and wrap <laughs> up this and see how it goes. Excellent. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this um, initial sort of review of the week, I suppose. Um, I hope you have a lovely weekend. I'm going to go get drunk now. <laughs> As am I. Bye. <laughs>